This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Factor. So there are a lot of things for mankind to worry about these days. Climate change, war, infectious diseases. But one existential threat that we've only ever seen in movies, but which is still very, very real, may have just been solved. Because NASA just punched an asteroid in the face. Yeah. Having a large celestial body crash into Earth, it might not rank very high in terms of probability, especially compared to those more immediate threats, climate change, war, infectious disease. But it's happened before. Mm -hmm. Just ask the dinosaurs. Oh, wait, you can't. Because a giant space rock killed them all. They were too stupid to see it coming and take the proper precautions like we did. Oh, you love dinosaurs? You want to die in an asteroid impact like a dinosaur? Well, not me, buddy. Mm -mm. I'd like to avoid that fate. And luckily, we can't. Uh, we first became aware of NASA's DART mission, short for Double Asteroid Redirection Test, a year or so ago in the context of an, an international planetary defense conference, which basically role-played what to do in the event of an asteroid heading straight for Earth. We covered it in a bunch of videos, and that exercise mainly involved detecting the asteroid's trajectory and evacuating the impact zone as quickly as possible. But what if there were a better way, a more entertaining yeah, way? Yeah, a more fun way. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Well, last November, NASA, in collaboration with other international space agencies, launched DART, which is such a good name that describes exactly what this thing does. It's a small spacecraft with relatively basic navigation and sensor technology, and they launched it straight at Didymos, an asteroid that's been orbiting our solar system for a very long time and falls into the potentially hazardous category, meaning that it could someday hit the Earth or get very close to doing so, and it's big enough to cause some damage. Except DART didn't actually hit Didymos. It targeted Dimorphos, another smaller asteroid that orbits Didymos like a little asteroid simp. Please. Like a lamprey. Just disgusting. Yeah. Get away. Uh, this allowed NASA to try out a smaller payload about the size of a vending machine in a somewhat controlled environment that they could come back to later and observe. But the level of precision necessary is kind of mind-boggling. Dimorphos travels at 24,000 kilometers per hour. DART had to travel nearly all the way around the sun for almost a year to get to it. Dimorphos is only around 160 meters in diameter, and again, it's orbiting another asteroid. I mean, we just talked about uh, a $100 million facility that Dude Perfect is building, and uh, I am no longer impressed by anything they've done in their entire oh, content cool. careers. You, you filmed yourself shooting a ping pong ball for a couple hours and got a couple... Sweet shots. Well, NASA had one shot, they baby. They had one shot. They yeah. did not miss their chance to blow. Because mm -hmm. opportunity comes once in a lifetime. I will never be impressed by another someone tossing a compact disc into an, a, an old Wii anymore. Or a ping pong ball. No yeah. matter how many bounces it does across the house. Yeah, no matter how big their cool building is in Texas. Mm -hmm. Get, NASA should have their own building. In Texas. Yeah. Someone <laughs> should think of that. Yeah. They should almost have Space City. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, yeah, NASA had some level of manual control over DART's trajectory, but there's, of course, a bit of latency when the spacecraft that you're controlling is millions of kilometers away. Damn lag! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hitting a moving target while uh, DART itself was traveling at 22,000 kilometers per hour required a lot of very careful planning, a lot of mathematics. Mm -hmm. And uh, somehow, the bastards pulled it off. Yeah, it's impressive. And not only that, they got POV video footage of Dart crashing into Dimorphos before being just totally disintegrated by the impact. A new fetish. It's for my fetish now. So many people out there. Oh, I've it's like so long. I've been edging for almost a full year. This is so much cooler than Vor. Yeah. This is almost like having a camera on a tiny school bus I and like, flying it into someone. I like POV footage of celestial bodies just getting pummeled. I mean, this is about as spiritually sexual as you could get. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, this is some of the craziest space footage we've ever seen, and we've been pretty spoiled with space footage lately. Oh, yeah, a helicopter on Mars. How are you going to top that? Well, like just a year and a half, two years later, look at this. POV footage crashing yeah. into a comet. That's what's great is these things all or take... Asteroids, sorry. So, yeah, every 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 single one of these space things takes so long to execute that you just line them up back to back to back so that we're constantly impressed. Yeah. That's what the, NASA learned during the 80s and 90s that Americans get bored, no and, matter how exciting and dangerous. And they learned in the 2000s that Americans love trick shots. Yes, so if you can combine space travel with trick shots, then I think we have a winner here. Yeah. Um, and also, it's really funny, uh, speaking uh, kind of like sports-ish, the, the first video I saw that uh, linked me to this, uh, the footage of the asteroid, was like Michael Strahan on uh, the morning show, and he didn't do it. And I, you know what? I, I honest, Honestly, I thank him for it, but I also, if I had gone to space like he had, every time space is mentioned, I would immediately be like, space, by the way, I've been where there. I've been. I've been there, and uh, so pretty cool. So I got a little bit of firsthand experience I believe here. I'm the only one on this sound stage that's been to space, so yeah. I, I think I can speak with some authority and say that this was pretty cool, right? Yeah, I applaud him for being able to hold I mean, it for back. For you, but... it's, it's cool for everyone, but for me especially, having been to space myself. Yes. It's, when especially, you, it's kind of close to home. When you see how small our planet is from above, you really get a sense... Uh, that anything, it's yeah. so fragile, could come and take it out. But you'll never know anything about that, Hoda. You'll, be, you'll get there someday, kid. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, there's also uh, footage from Earth-based telescopes showing the impact from afar, though. And while you can't see much, you do see DART essentially get vaporized. <laughs> into like a, a snowball. Yeah, into a big cloud of light on impact. Uh, in the live stream footage of the impact, the DART team seems pretty stoked about the success of their mission. But their reaction is honestly pretty understated, considering they just crashed a spacecraft into a damn asteroid for the first time ever, opening the door to a whole new world of planetary defense. I would have been spraying champagne all over that room, destroying uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Yeah, it's like a, a, a sports <laughs> team wins a playoff, not even the finals, a playoff, yeah. and they have to put garbage bags all over the locker room. Yeah, no, these people are all just like, all right, high hey, five. Careful, I got Back a coffee over here. <laughs> <laughs> hey. uh, but yes, it opens doors to, uh, you know, a whole new world of planetary defense, but a whole new world of uh, of planetary entertainment as yeah. well. I think they should... Uh, they should Throw the next dart at Elon Musk's stupid car flying out in space. It would Just be much boom, more impressive it. and also way funnier. Yeah. They, or they should they should shoot an even a tiny dart to just like do a fucking headshot on the, the, the fake guy driving the Tesla. They should do a trick shot that, that moves its trajectory so that it flies directly into Uranus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that is the only type of joke that Elon Musk would think was funny. That's true. He does have that... Otherwise, he would Certain just be like, sense of humor. I knew Biden hated me. I knew it. And everyone thought I was crazy, yeah. but I was right. And Mike Lindell is being followed by FBI agents. I mean, he is. And the demons are real. Anyway, it'll be a little while before anyone is able to determine just how effective the DART mission was at achieving its goal of changing an asteroid's trajectory uh, in October 2024. So two years from now, the European Space Agency will launch its HERA probe which will return to the scene of the crime and take all sorts of different measurements of dimorphos to see just how serious the damage from this vending machine-sized space bullet was, like a interplanetary CSI. A little crime scene investigation. That's weird. There's cum on this comet and this asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't part of the deal. Well, we thought, why not? Special victims, yeah. yeah. Uh, for now, though, I mean, the idea of an asteroid hurtling straight towards Earth 
It should make you worry a little bit less than before. We got this. They've done this before. We know exactly what to do. Yeah. Just throw a vending machine at it. I can't wait to see Ice-T on this asteroid. Dustin for fingerprints. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of space, let's move on to some Star Wars news. And yes, I mean, this is our tech show, not the entertainment show, but Disney recently revealed a pretty groundbreaking but also kind of troubling tech technical achievement. Uh, going forward, the voice of Darth Vader is going to be 100% computer-generated using AI voice cloning technology. In fact, they already did it earlier this year in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Now, at 91 years old, actor James Earl Jones is finally retiring from the role that he's voiced for decades, and with his permission, that voice will live on. So, okay, technically, an earlier and much more troubling use of AI voice cloning tech was used in the Anthony Bourdain documentary Roadrunner, which used artificial intelligence to have the voice of the late chef read letters that he'd written. Now, Anthony Bourdain is dead, and he definitely never consented for anything like that to be done. So and people, just like watching him over the years, you would assume that he would not. Yeah, he'd probably give it the, the side eye that he's known for. Yeah. So yeah, people were understandably put off by that. And it's also like, was this really necessary? James Earl Jones, on the other hand, he's alive. He and his family presumably fully understand the implications of signing off on this. And, and the financial uh, benefits. Yeah, it seems this, like they're okay with it. This is, uh, you know, generational wealth probably for his uh, family tree. And he's probably relieved because you can't imagine that James Earl Jones took the Star Wars job in like 1975 and would have ever fathomed that he'd still be uh, getting calls to do that shit like almost 50 years later. Yeah. Yeah. He probably wishes they'd come up with this tech a little sooner. Harrison Ford's like, why was I doing actual stunts in Indiana Jones 7? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have just put an AI body on me? the fuck? Yeah, he'd be all about this. So yeah, it's it's also not exactly James Earl Jones's voice. It's James Earl Jones's voice in a specific character uh, in an iconic franchise that will never, ever end. It's also a character whose voice is canonically fake and the product of technology. So that also helps. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's not like that's Vader's real voice either. It's fine. And this also isn't the first time that Star Wars has done this with dead actors. Well, James he Earl Jones is not dead, but uh, it's not the first time they've preserved... Yeah. Uh, the uh -huh. canon of their space opera. They, they love it. Yeah. They, yeah. So nothing about this specific use of this technology is too troubling. It's just the implications that it has for future use of this technology. Vocal deepfakes combined with visual deepfakes already have troubling potential for misinformation. And people get scammed uh, pretty often mm -hmm. using the voice deepfakes. Like, oh, it's the boss. He says to send all the company's money to this bank account. Mm -hmm. Well, it's his voice. All right. Never answer the phone. Mm -hmm. uh, but once you start resurrecting the dead and making them say whatever words you want them to say, the implications are slightly horrifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is new terrain. The ethics around it are still being figured out. It's also a bit murky legally. NFTs solve this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, personality rights are a legal concept which allows a person to sue over unauthorized use of their likeness. But... After they die, it gets a little complicated. And also, it doesn't matter if they sign over those rights as part of contract. And there's nothing stopping movie studios from making all of their contracts include the rights to actors' likenesses. Mm -hmm. uh, so for a franchise like Star Wars, which has already used CGI versions of multiple previously human characters, including a voice clone of Mark Hamill, seems like a no-brainer. Hey, buddy, you get to be in Star Wars, and we're going to give you a ton of money. But also... 
after you're dead or too old to play the role, we can just use AI to keep putting you in our movies and shows forever, and also maybe some McDonald's Happy Meal commercials, or uh, whatever the hell we want to do. You'll we're, be dead, it doesn't matter. We're doing the Clone Wars for real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but again, uh, at least in this case, everything seems to be on level, and the actual production of the fake Vader voice has an interesting backstory, considering the company who did it is based in Ukraine. Here's the Guardian. Lucasfilm came to us essentially through word of mouth, said Dimitro Bieliestov, Respeacher's chief technical officer. Someone posted about our tech in an internal sound engineering chat and it got picked up. Once the ball started rolling, it took just a few months to prepare audio that was ready for screen, he added. The way it works is that we get a bunch of initial takes. We convert them with different varieties of the models, and then the client takes a listen and sees that the performance is right. Maybe things need to be tweaked or adjusted, but then they pick the model that they liked the most and we proceed from there. The work was disrupted in February when Russia renewed its assault on Ukraine that had started eight years earlier, and tanks came close to Kyiv itself. We were psychologically prepared because we've been at war for much longer than just six months, Bielistov said, and thanks to the foreign intelligence, we knew there was a high risk of this happening, so we prepared a contingency plan to make sure that the team is comfortable and safe. I think we executed it pretty well. There was, like, up to one day of delay that happened to some of the projects. You know some, like, American executive was on the phone screaming about What's that. What's the fucking delay? Like, while driving down the PCH? Oh, I spilled coffee all over my pants. Uh, can you tell me exactly why I'm waiting eight more hours for this VO? I need that Vader voice. James Earl Jones retired. I need the Vader voice. Oh, hold on. There's a homeless person coming up to the car. Oh, <laughs> God. We need to elect that, that guy that's going to make the homeless go away. You know who could solve this problem? The guy that built the Grove. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a lot of interesting ideas about how we make this problem disappear. <laughs> anyway, I need that Vader voice. I need it now. Literally, the guy from the Grove is just building <laughs> facades in front of homeless people. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, we got a little bit more news for you coming right up. But first, this episode is sponsored by Factor. What do you think of when you think of fall? If what comes to mind for you is a packed schedule, well, good news. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery will keep you fueled up and feeling good no matter how crazy your days and nights get. Whether you need a quick lunch or a nutritious meal that's ready in minutes, Factor makes it easy, and it's cheaper than takeout. That's a serious fall W. Uh, Factor is the perfect mealtime solution for an on-the-go lifestyle. Their fresh, never-frozen meals are delivered ready to heat and eat in two minutes, so I can fuel up fast and get on with my day. Factor now offers 30-plus meals per week and 36-plus add-on options like smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on the schedule. Factor is cheaper than takeout, seriously, and thanks to their commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can actually feel good about what you're eating every day. When things get extra busy, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Not only does Factor offer fast, simple solutions when I need them most, they also help me stay on top of my goals when it's hard to carve out time. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, I can stay on track without a lot of extra work. Factor has endless options, however you like to eat. Choose from Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan, Veggie, Protein Plus to get chef-crafted, dietitian approved recipes that you'll look forward to every time. Uh, for lunch today, I had vegetarian gumbo. Delicious. Uh, you had vegetarian gumbo today. Yeah, I do declare. Instead of like a sausage, it was like a okra. It's good. Mm. Real good. So not only do factor meals save me time, they also keep me satisfied. Like I just said, delicious gumbo in the middle of the day. Yes, please. Uh, their chef crafted recipes are packed with restaurant quality flavor. It's so good. 
I can't even believe it's dietitian approved. Factor equals free time. Instead of spending those precious hours around the store and the kitchen, they'll deliver ready-made meals right to your door, eliminating all that meal planning, prep, and cleanup time. Head to go.factor75.com newsday130 and use code newsday130 to get $130 off across six boxes. That is code newsday130 at go.factor75.com newsday130 for $130 off. All right, back to the news now with a story that seems to pop up over and over again every month or so, but it's still satisfying every time. NFTs are pretty much dead. Mm -hmm. In fact, NFTs are even more dead than the last time we told you they're dead. I mean, even at their peak, when NFT news coverage was literally unavoidable, like we tried to tell you people, uh, the actual number of people buying and selling NFTs was shockingly low. But at least the basic market data made it look to the casual observer like these things were the hot new thing. Mm -hmm. You definitely can't make that mistake now, though, because the amount of NFTs being bought and sold is just a tiny, tiny fraction of what it once was. Here's Gizmodo. Crypto-focused folks are having a harder time getting any money for their gross, insultingly <laughs> derivative bored apes and dull-eyed, featureless 8-bit faces of CryptoPunks, according to Crypto Analytics data. Bloomberg first reported on data hosted on Dune Analytics that showed trading volume for NFTs has gone from $17 billion to just $466 million from <laughs> January to September this year. Uh, that's a precipitous 97% <laughs> drop in just nine months. Yes! The data was collected from NFT trading platforms, including OpenSea, NFTX, Larva Labs, Looks Rare, Super Rare, Rarible, and Foundation. That number would put current trades below where they were in July of last year, before the NFT craze really took off. This data follows on from earlier reports this month that OpenSea, currently the largest NFT trading platform by volume, has seen sales drop 75% compared to just two months prior. What makes this data even more interesting is while the number of trades has decreased immensely, the number of total traders hasn't seen nearly as much of a drop. According to the data posted by Dune Analytics user Hildo, B B B Hildo Baby, I guess, uh, there were over 42,000 total traders in September this year, compared to a peak of over 66,000 in March, but a little less than 45,000 or so that were trading in March. So yeah, it looks like actually most of the people who were trading NFTs back when anyone cared about them are still trading them. But just as before, the number is absolutely tiny. Just tens of thousands of people worldwide participating in what was touted as the next big thing in tech. Mm -hmm. Virtually nobody. Uh, the article also notes that bored apes in particular have lost a lot of their demand and have even fallen behind some other NFT project called Terraforms. Uh, they basically look like abstract, ashy art gifs. Uh, ugly, but not nearly as ugly as those damn apes. And with less racial connotations, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, even Eminem and Snoop Dogg couldn't keep people interested in those things. That's when they knew. Well, if Jimmy Fallon can't do it, I don't know what the problem is. Everyone loves Jimmy Fallon. Mm -hmm. He's just the coolest. Yeah. And he's got a real cool ape. He's, he's got such a cool ape. Everyone loves your ape, Jimmy. Everyone loves your ape. Uh, but really? Are, are you sure they love my ape? Felt like they didn't love my ape. Jimmy Fallon's ape just tested positive for uh, blood alcohol level two times illegal. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> anyways, board ape owners not only have seen their value of the cartoon monkey plummet, but they're also still getting their apes stolen as well. <laughs> uh, a high-profile example from this week is former sports manager turned NFT shill Jason Folovich, who revealed on Twitter that his OpenSea account was hacked and all his apes were gone. All my apes gone. 
Well, maybe he has other apes, but the hacker made off with two of his apes plus two other NFTs and quickly sold them for around $150,000. Uh, and adding insult to injury, Falovich originally spent around $377,000 on those same NFTs that were stolen and then sold for less than half of that. But still a great deal for whoever sold it. Yeah. Because they had no money in it. Right. Wow, and NFTs are awesome for me, the criminal. And, uh, you know, the, the way things are going, you, you'd want to get rid of these things as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, adding even more insult to injury, though, it sounds like the remaining NFT community has very little sympathy for Falovich since he previously promoted multiple NFT projects that ended up being scams. Yeah, he doesn't, he have, doesn't even have the NFT community to fall back on. They hate him, too. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah, it is. It is sad. This is going to be your only NFTs you're going to want anymore are the ones that were hijacked from, like, big-name celebrities. Yeah, like, that, that does add value. Yeah, it's like when uh, George Costanza bought that car from, uh, was it John Voight? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, this NFT has teeth marks in it. Anyways, the rise of crypto and NFTs in the last couple of years before the big crypto crash has been theorized to have been a product of people being stuck at home during the pandemic and not having anything better to do. But even now, with the p- pandemic uh, mostly under control, the pandemic is over. Uh, I'm getting my fourth vax tomorrow, by the way. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Are you getting your flu shot with it as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Give it, t- <laughs> give me the cocktail, baby. <laughs> You're going to be walking around glistening. But yeah, even with COVID uh, seemingly on the back burner, office workers still would largely prefer to continue working at home rather than commuting to the office, like in the old times. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly understandable. Uh, even a half hour commute adds up to 260 hours a year driving to and from work. And that's 260 hours that people prefer having to themselves. Mm-hmm. Plus, remote work has been repeatedly shown to actually boost worker productivity. So, um, yeah. It's all around good. It is good. Nevertheless, companies pay a lot to rent those nice offices. They want people to see the offices and the people inside them. Look at all my minions. Mm-hmm. And it makes them very, very sad uh, when you don't want to spend more time there. They take it personally. Is it something I said? Yes, it is. You said come back. I say no. Uh, Also, they just really, they do like being able to stop by your desk whenever they want to just look over your shoulder or have a meaningless conversation. Yeah. Uh, But it sounds like a lot of companies have had trouble getting their workers to come back to the office. And a recent article in Slate about what exactly would motivate workers to come back to the office quotes a bunch of reader submissions describing the grand gestures that some companies have used unsuccessfully to get people back in the office. Uh, Here's one of them. I have seen a lot of lures and none of them are working. Free coffee day, free continental breakfast day, free pretzel day. Then they upped their game to free Red Bull and come see some adoptable puppies. They literally had puppies in the office. They almost got me with that one. If it had been free wine and kittens, I would have burned rubber to get there. I have to go in one day a week, but I don't want to do more than that. It is a really nice building with plenty of meeting space, cafeteria with good food, coffee shop, gym, etc. As nice as that is, I still prefer yoga pants and my cat as my only coworker. I get my own bathroom, full kitchen, and no commute. They really can't beat that. I'm sorry, the perks are too <laughs> good here. Like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Uh, another wrote, the snacks have always been a staple, but the latest has been a cornhole tournament that has dragged on for months, <laughs> presumably because nobody wants to come in for their matches. <laughs> Work hour events with alcohol seem to bring in the most people, but it's still a small portion. 
I feel like single offices, we have an open plan, child slash pet slash elder care stipends, or honestly, a factual mathematical explanation of why on-site work is beneficial would go further towards getting people in. If you could somehow please prove to me how this is better for both me and the company, then we could talk. Also, who's taking care of my kids yeah. and my aging parents, yeah. uh, considering we all have to live together because the world isn't what it used to be? I just, like, all this stuff gives me so many flashbacks to uh, working at Machinima because they, they tried everything. They, like, there must be some, like, Bible, the HR, like, Bible for, With like... Increasingly, yeah. like, like, the most cost-effective, like... Pizza party, ice yeah. cream party. How to distract your employees from the fact that you are exploiting them. Yes. Um, yeah, they, they tried everything. Uh-huh. Like, uh, they know. brought magicians in, remember? Yeah. They had a whiskey tasting. That one was sick, actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of cool shit, but it was always just like, I'd rather you just paid me more. Yes. That would be cool. It did get frustrating at a point where we, were, we, were, we did like the math one night and we're like, this company probably just spent $10,000 uh, on booze. I saw the like... The one of the cash registers at like one of the alcohol, one of the like bar nights, like when the when the the worker at the bar was like, you know, let's all have fun. Tabbing, Everyone gather around when they were tabbing. Yeah. I just happened to be there, and it was like it was tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, I'm like, look, this was fun, but like, you could have just given us all like money. No, that would have been better. I the think. money would have been wasted anyway. You clap. <laughs> And you say, what a great job you've done, you boss. You clubs don't know how to spend money. Yeah, yeah. You say, thank you, boss. You sure know how to make the company love everything. Now, can we get a little more? You know what would really make me love this company more is uh, if we had weekly meetings where the CEO comes out to the Superman theme song and makes us clap in unison like monkeys. Uh, and then everyone goes, um, are we going to do like company 401k matching or anything instead of all these parties? Like, no! No! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, this article also has multiple responses which describe offices where workers were ordered to come back to the office for a certain number of days per week, uh, but just didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and the ones who did come in saw that barely anyone else was doing it and realized that they too could get away with simply not returning to the office even though they were told to do so. Uh, the impression that a lot of these responses give is that executives and HR want everyone back, but without managers who also want everybody back, there's not a whole lot they can do, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is the most power at least office workers have had in quite some time. Because I imagine... you can simply just refuse to go in. Yeah, and, and I imagine a lot of managers... I mean, it depends on, like, what your, your job is, but I imagine it's probably a lot easier to manage just from Slack than, like, coming into work. Yeah. Especially in places where managers don't do a whole lot. And like, they love it probably the most because they work, like, two hours a day and their job is basically just being, how's that coming along? And here's what the boss said. Not that it's funny. It's not funny when anyone gets sick. But the first couple of months of, like, getting back to normal here in L.A., it was like I would have a friend that would be like, yeah, we're going to the office. It's only, like, two days a week, though. They'd go back in the office. And, like, two weeks, like, yeah, everyone at the office has COVID. It's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Like, It's great for morale. Yeah. Glad we did and, this. of course, those days have gone from two to three to four yeah. to, like, well, uh, you know, one day is a flex day. But if you're not there, we're going to notice. Okay, five days, but on the fifth day, you get to wear a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> so, yeah, can't do that anywhere you want. Uh, are you, you still, can, am I still going to be like on call and expected to answer emails at four o'clock in the morning? Yes. Oh, okay. Also, while you're driving on your 90 minute commute, pick up the phone. Use your hand. I don't want no speakerphone. Pick it up with your hand and pay for those tickets. Uh, also, a lot of the workers uh, 
in the article, they, they moved away during the pandemic. Because if you can work remotely, uh, a lot of people... Like, well, well, fuck this I'm place. I'm going to go move yeah. to fucking Kansas City and, yeah. uh, and, you know, spend way less money on rent. Uh, and so th- those people literally cannot come back to the office. And their attitude seems to just be, well, what are you going to do? Fire me? I'll just find another remote job that, uh, you know, values, values me a little bit more. That's the other thing is companies that are more than happy to do remote work are t- sniping They're some amazing it, yeah. talent. Yeah. <laughs> Life's great for us. Uh, so as as for the point of the article, which is what would actually get workers back into the office, I mean, there's a range of responses. One person says they just like the flexibility of coming in or staying home, uh, depending on the actual circumstances of what they're working on, and not some arbitrary number of days per week or month. Another person who is immunocompromised says they'd need to see their company care a lot more about health and safety measures. And others say that it would require a pay raise to make up for all the free time they no longer have. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're stealing 260 plus hours from me per year. Like, I'm going to need to be compensated. Commute time should absolutely, that would solve a lot of the, oh, you have to come back in the office thing. Like, okay, if, you know, nine to five is antiquated at this point, but it's, you know, America, eight to six, probably more standard. Seven to seven, probably, you know, in a lot of industries. Yeah. Kind of yeah. sucks, but that's the truth. But uh, if companies were like, Two hours of your considered workday is just driving, and we still have to pay you. That's probably going to upset a lot of people. Yeah. Or if it's salary, you're oh, only expected shit. to come in for stay home, you man. know, four hours a day or something because half of the day is your commute. It's like okay. But uh, here, here's my favorite response in this article. To me, the biggest thing is being able to clearly explain why it's necessary. Don't give me some vague explanation like it's time or. We think it's better, but have a specific reason why you think it's better to convince your employees that it's beneficial. We're a family. And that reason (laughs) needs to be one that will hold up once people get there. Nothing is going to kill people's enthusiasm about returning to the office quicker than showing up and realizing that it's exactly the same as working from home. Also known as, you made me commute 45 minutes for this? Why? Because how else are you going to see the new middle manager's... Beautiful new legs. He is three inches taller. Yeah. And if nobody sees him, then the surgery was pointless. That was a very expensive, very dangerous surgery. And it took a year to heal. And if you don't get in here. Constant pain. And let him tower over you, then it was all for nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the only surefire solution the article presents is actually a pretty practical one that will almost certainly work, at least on a portion of the workforce. Free on-site childcare. Parents of young children pay out the nose to have someone look after their kids while they work in an office. And having that taken care of by a company seems pretty effective. As one person writes, my company offers free on-site child care for anybody coming into the office. Off-site child care for two kids under three is $3,200 a month. I'm in the office every day, as is every parent of any kid aged five and under. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. And yeah, if that seems too expensive for a company to cover, well, consider this. According to research reported on in a recent article in Bloomberg, big companies waste around $100 million a year on unnecessary meetings, both in person and over Zoom. And employees say that nearly a third of their meetings are basically just a huge waste of time, and therefore money. So maybe you could uh, make it up with that. But, you know, much like having workers in the office, meetings, they're often about asserting control and authority as much as they are about getting things done and being productive. So don't expect companies to take any of this information to heart. If if they cared about actual productivity, this would have never been an issue in the first place. Yeah. They would have, they would have had an open and honest conversation with their employees 
and and let that conversation dictate their actions moving forward. Yeah, they're just setting their ways. We heard you loud and clear. So everyone's coming in for four days a week with a flex day. If you got five stars on the previous days. Because uh, we're a family. Yes. And like a family, we can fire you at any time for, mm-hmm. without cause. But you can wear it. Look, it's football season. You can wear your Dallas Cowboys jersey to the office on Fridays. It's fine. Yeah. But, you know, don't go walking over to, to old Phil's desk who has his Eagles jersey on. Oh, you guys are just going to get into a big argument. I forgot about that. Yeah, we had two executives who liked different football teams and, like, for, felt the need to, like, keep the entire hundred-person company, like, on the edge uh, of the... Up to the minute, updated on, like, their football feud for some reason. We've already told the story, but the pinnacle of the story was when they sent out a company-wide email that was... that was The subject line was, bad news, everyone. And it was in the middle of a bunch of, like, layoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like, a six-month period where, That's like, right. lay, layoffs were happening, like, every couple of months. Yeah, because yeah, it was, like, Super Bowl, so it was right after the big Christmas layoffs. Bad when news, everyone. It was, like, the, the first or second time where, like, me and you had lived through the worst days yeah. of half of our friends' lives, and then they were like... Bad news, everyone. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. How could it get any worse? Did, did uh, Machina Man go to my parents' house and kill them? No, there was a fucking football game, and uh, one team won, so yeah. the other guy has to wear a woman's jersey or something. <sighs> yeah. Uh-oh. The, don't cow- you, don't the Cowboys the won. Office. The Cowboys won. You have to put truck nuts on your on your car. Uh, this is, yeah, this is what people are missing out on by uh, not being in the office. The office is where things happen. That's where Pam met Jim. Do you think they would have met over Zoom? I mean, probably. Yes. If they were the same age they were in the show now, they'd have a good grasp of uh, text talking and whatnot. And um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Except all of their awkward interactions wouldn't be for our humor. It would have been it would be the IT guy monitoring the conversation. It wouldn't have made as good of a sitcom. That's That's for sure. That's true. Anyway, that's our episode. Uh, if you haven't seen our previous episode, we talked a lot about acclaimed Hall of Fame NFL quarterback Brett Favre and what a giant piece of shit he is. But somehow that was overshadowed by the mascot of a public transit city, a Bussy. company in a city in Spain named Bussy. So please watch that episode. And if you haven't seen it already, um, for whatever reason, the government says you can't uh, cook chicken and NyQuil. Uh, I guess. I thought this was America. <laughs> I thought they knew that I already got my booster. Yeah. Uh, anyways, check both those videos out. And we'll see you soon for some news dump. Bye-bye. Bye.